We're in Acts chapter 4. We're in a series called One. We're finishing it up today. We'll wrap up our series called One today. Uh, One mission. We have one mission. One mission. Just like God had one mission. That was the mission of Jesus to redeem and reconcile the world to himself through Jesus. He's given to us the same mission today, that we would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would practice the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want you to know that God is at work, and we want you to see that, that God wants to work in your heart. So every single one of us needs to be on one mission. I see some of you kind of fanning yourself. Are you getting hot in here? Is the temperature okay? You're good? Some of you? Okay. Um, we just want to make sure you're comfortable as you hear, hear the word of the Lord. All right. <laughs> Acts chapter 4, if you have your Bible, we're talking about one mission today of what God wants to do in each one of our hearts and each one of our lives. If you would pick it up in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, uh, the Bible says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priest had and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Your servant now, Lord, Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Can you just say, speak your word? Notice this. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Notice, the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness, with boldness. I don't know if you know the mandate of the mission. I have placed out many mandates of mission in my own house. And some of those mission statements have even been written on paper and magnetically attached to my refrigerator. They are not just for me, they're also for my children. They are mandates of the mission in the Kindle Casa. I want them to know the conduct that we're actually going to have in our house. And so we have daily mandated mission chores that are already laid out for our children. Not only that, we have first Saturday chores of the month. We have first Wednesday chores of the month given to you by the amazing Mrs. Kindle. And and we have this opportunity for my children to go over the mandate. And we've already stated the mission with them. And although it's been stated, many times it has not been completed. You can read with names specifically of the mission for each child and what they are called to do. But yet I'm still finding in my own house that though I might have written it down as their father, they've not completed it as my son or daughter. And it doesn't matter in our lives sometimes 
how often we might know what God has said. The responsibility is not just to know what God has told us. The responsibility is to do what God has told us. You see, you can know that there's one Savior. You can know that we're one family. You can know that we can have one heart to worship Jesus, but if we do not do the mission that God has called us to do and who he's called us to be, we've really missed, it, missed the point. You see, the great danger for us as believers is we know what is stated in the mission statement. But although it has been stated many times, it often has not been completed in our lives. You see, I really believe that we have to understand what the mission of the church really is. Please understand this. I want to give you some things that if you would write them down. First of all, the mission of the church is not to be cool. The mission of the church is not to be cool. I mean, we are not here to be cool. We are not here to put on a show for you. We're, we're not here for you to come and just be entertained by the worship team and feel good. We are not here to be cool. And although some of us, some of you might look cool, that's a plus. But we're not in a mission statement here as a church to be the coolest church in the city. We could be the coolest church in the city and loveless in our city. You see, the important understanding of our church is to understand that we are not here as a church that we would know that we are not here just to be cool. Nor is the mission of the church, if you would write this down, the mission of the church is not to be relevant. It's not to be relevant. You see, we, we don't want to in our lives miss redemption because we're trying to be relevant. We have to understand sometimes in our Christianity, we might not be as relevant as we think we ought to be. Because redemption is not surface level. Redemption goes deeper into the soil. And so our goal is not just to be relevant. You see, the goal of the church is to reach. The mission of the church is to reach. You have not come here just so you could hear something and sing a few songs. We have come in here to huddle up together and be sent out into a broken world that is surrounding us right now. Do you see the mission of the church is to reach people that are right around you right now. To reach the people that are next to you on your seat and next to your seat, excuse me. To reach the people that are outside of these walls. To reach the people that go to our schools. To reach the people that are at our workplace. Now, that does not mean as Christians that we become weird. It does mean that we as Christians continue the work that God has called us to. You see, what God is calling us to is to reach people, broken people, hurting people, people who need salvation, people who are trapped in sin, people who desperately need to hear the name of Jesus Christ. You see, God has called all of us. I love what Henry Martin said. He said these words, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer that we get to him, Jesus, the more intensely missionary we become. I love it, what John Stott wrote. He said, social responsibility becomes an aspect, not of Christian mission only, but also of Christian conversion. 
he writes these words, it is impossible to be truly converted to God without being thereby converted to your neighbor. You see, Christ has called us because he's reached us. Now we go and reach people. Why are we doing for God so loved the valley? Not that we would make a name for ourselves in the city, but the name of Jesus would be stamped upon people's hearts and lives. What does that look like for us as a church? That we would understand that when God sends us on the mission, that it is not going to be an easy task. It's not going to be us just flowing down a hill and everything is hunky-dory. It doesn't matter. What we have to understand is the mission might be hard. But the mission, though, might be hard is to change hearts for the glory of God. Thus the Apostle Paul would say, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. Thus he would say to us, I am constrained, he told us in 2 Corinthians, by the love of Jesus Christ. Notice, if you would, in the book of Acts. The disciples have already been placed on the mission that God had called them to. In the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 28, if you take note, at the end of the chapter, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me under heaven and in earth. Therefore, because I have that authority, he says, Go therefore and make disciples. That is the mission of the church. Go into all the world and make disciples. When we move our service from in here to out there on September 8th, we are fulfilling the mission that God told us to fulfill. Do you see, we are not just canceling our church. We are being the church in our city. We have to move from the mindset that church is just what will happen to me in this seat that I'm sitting in. Church is going to happen on our city streets every single day of the week. And God's called us to reach people in such a way where we understand the mission that God has sent us on. As the disciples were sent on this mission, they are being hindered by those people who were religious. Those people who had missed what the Messiah was all about. And because of that now, they are threatening the disciples. In Acts chapter 4, in context, before verse 23, the disciples have just healed a man who had been sick for a long, long time. And because of that, they had now bound them and they consulted together what they should do. And because of that, they threatened them that they should not any longer speak in the name of Jesus. And then they said, is it right for us to obey man rather than God? How can we not speak the name of Jesus Christ? How could we not reach people with the name of Jesus Christ? There is no name under heaven in which a person can be saved except the name of Jesus. You see, their problem wasn't with the healing itself. Their problem was with the healer, Jesus. You see, we are bringing Jesus. Just look at your neighbor and say, I'm bringing Jesus today. I'm bringing Jesus. I'm going to bring Jesus to the world that is around me. So it's not going to go very well for you. This is not going to be like a, uh, maybe you come in. I, I, if you're new here, we love you, and I'm glad you're here, but um, it's going to be hard. <laughs> it's going to be difficult. Can I just be truthful with you up front? But it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to be filled with joy. Amen? All right, you guys got to come with me today, all right? 
Let's go through Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. What should I do when I'm on the mission and I'm facing some threats? Number one, write this down. Notice what the disciples did. Number one, they owned their own call with their own companions. They owned their own call with their own companions. We're going to put it up on the screen for you. So if you want to write it down, you actually can type it into your phone. Um, They own their own call with their own companions. And being let go. Now, they were let go by the Sanhedrin. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But when they were let go, they went to their own companions. Notice that. They didn't go back and they didn't go run away to a different city because it was hard. They didn't go away into a place where they were now going to not face what God had called them to. They were moving into a place where they were now going back to their own companions. That means that the family that they were experiencing because of Jesus would many times even be greater than their own family of their flesh and blood. Because they were now under the blood of Jesus. Now everyone that was under the blood of Jesus would come under this family aspect of what God wanted to do. But Satan's tactics is is that you would run. That you would move away from what God said would be maybe the hardest thing in your life to reach the hardest hearts in your life. Is that we run. We run so far away from what God's called us to simply because it's just difficult. I I believe many times that Satan's tactics in our lives right now is not to make you antagonistic to the mission, but apathetic in the mission. And I really believe for some of us, it's not that you're like, oh, I hate the mission and I don't want to share the gospel. It's not that you're antagonistic in the mission. It's just you've become apathetic in the mission. So why is it important that I surround myself with companions? In my own call, notice the Bible says, and being let go, they went to their own friends, family, homies, compadres. They went Back to their own companions. Why would they go back to their own companions? Because discouragement is always, always cured by encouragement. They've just faced major threats. So let me just write this out to you if you would. Put that number one back up if you can, Nate. And that is this. Unity is necessity. They're coming back to their companions that are all united under one Savior, one heart, one mission. They had a purpose. And their purpose was a person, and his name is Jesus. Do you see, we are now gathered together, maybe for some of us, it's not that you're antagonistic in the mission right now, you're just apathetic in the mission. Maybe for you right now, you pray for the mission, but you've never participated in the mission. Maybe right now, they're coming back to their own companions who are not just praying for the mission. They're participating in the mission. They go hand in hand together. Maybe for you right now, notice this, you've memorized the mission but you've never moved into the mission. You've memorized it. God, you told me to to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I've memorized it. It's not enough for us to memorize the mission. We have to move in the mission that God has called us to move into. Do you see what happens when I move into that mission? The face of Jesus always leads me to the heart of people. And when I come in that way and in that place, I can find 
that, number one, they're going to own their own call with their own companions. Some of you have been so threatened by life. Maybe we need to not just have rows today. Maybe we need to have circles around you. Maybe you've been threatened in your marriage. Maybe you've been threatened by your finances. Maybe you've been threatened by another family member. Maybe you've been threatened by a coworker. Maybe you've been threatened by a previous friend. Maybe you've been threatened. Maybe right now the cure for you to be on one mission is that you surround yourself with your own companions. But the problem is we don't want our companions to bear our weight. Thus, we're never vulnerable. And because we're never vulnerable, we never experience victory. They, in their lives, had surrounded themselves with their own companions. Listen, this one mission, we're going to have to own our call with our own companions. Let's do this together. Let's do this together. Let's do it in a way that it's going to honor and glorify Jesus. Can you write this down, number two? The report did not determine their reach. Their report right now did not did not determine their reach. Notice the Bible says, and being let go, they went to their own companions and they reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. Notice again, they repeated all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. What was the threat? That they speak no longer in the name of Jesus Christ. Number two, if you're taking note, the report did not determine their reach. They saw through their threats. This is going to be very important for you. Because some of us right now, we have to understand this. I believe this is for some of you in here right now. That he who holds you up is bigger than what you're up against. He who holds you up is bigger than what you're up against. Do you see what's happening with, with, with these, 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 these men who have been threatened in the mission? They go back to their own who have faced the same atonement, the same encouragement, the same alignment now. And they're going to a place now where they're going to see through the threats of what they're actually facing in their lives. I don't know how you have faced the threats that have come in your life. But many times what happens in life is we don't live the life that God wants us to live because we're only looking at our threats rather through our threats to God. God is bigger than what is threatening you right now. And we have to understand that in our lives that we can come to such a place that, that, that we can allow the report that we've just heard to determine how we reach the world that's around us. Oh, the church is too small. Oh, you meet in a cafeteria. Oh, you will never do anything in this city. Are you crazy moving eight children and your wife into L.A. area? Are you crazy? Do you understand how much houses are in the L.A. region? You're crazy. Do you, do you understand the threat sometimes is not just coming from those who are outside of the temple. It's coming from those who are inside of the temple. And God is warning us that we have to see through the threat. Why didn't they report to the disciples how the man was healed? All they reported was what the Sanhedrin had told them. Sometimes we get so focused on what's happening around us rather than what God is actually doing in us. 
I want us to have uh, such a place in our lives where we realize that the report that we receive from people is not going to determine how we're going to reach out to people that are around us. Number three, if you're taking note, notice what the Bible says. The Bible says these words, so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God. When they heard that, they raised their voice to God. When they heard the report, they all raised their voice to God. Can you write this down? This is going to be important for us as a church. Number three, they raised their voice to God, not their picket signs to men. They raised their voice to God, not their picket signs to men. Notice what they said. Lord, you are Off the throne? Lord, you don't know what you're doing? Lord, this is really crazy. Lord, you are uh, maybe not seeing it the same way that I'm seeing it right now. Lord, you are, no, no, no. Lord, you are, God, if I could just stamp that over every situation that I face in my life. Lord, you are God. You are God. You are God in my you are God. You are God in my finances. You are God. You are God at the church. You are God in the valley. You are God in the hills. You are God in the desert. You are God when I'm sick and when I'm healthy. You are God. But many times, instead of seeing God as our creator, we see him as crazy because his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are not like our thoughts. And so we come to this place in our lives where we have to realize that they raised their voice to God. They didn't lift up picket signs to men. They didn't go around the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees with picket signs saying, get rid of the Sadducees. Get rid of the Sanhedrin. They raised their voice to God. I'm not saying that we never protest. But what I am saying is this. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, you are God. You are God. And notice what they say. They, they remind themselves of who God is with one accord. And they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said. Now notice this. Psalm chapter 2. Why did the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth took their stand against the rulers who were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Notice, if you would, please, I want you to understand how could they raise their voice to God and, notice this, experience the power of God in their prayer. Can you just write this down when you're on mission, when you're living out uh, this mission? We're going to be known, not for, we will be known for who we're for, excuse me, I messed that up, Nate, I'm sorry, rather than what we're just against. So we're going to be known for who we're for, all right? Not just what we're against, all right? We're going to be known for who we're for as Christians. We're for Jesus, not just what, what we're against, because if we always tell people what we're against, they're probably wondering, what, what are you actually for in this world, all right? So here's what I want to challenge you to do right now. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you, if you're going to lift your voice to God, you're going to have to see the worth of God. You're going to have to see the worth of God. Lord, you are God who created, notice this, you created, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said. Now, now notice this, they went all the way back to creation 
to face their crisis. They reminded themselves of what God had created in their crisis. Why? Because when God speaks, something happens. Oh, come on, church. It's going to be important that we realize that we see his worth. Lord, you are worthy. God, you're holy. God, you are faithful. God, you will meet this need by your power and your timing. God, you are going to do this for your glory on our behalf. Not only did they, do we need to see his worth, we're going to have to see his word. We're going to have to see his word. Notice David, uh, it says here, uh, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, that the apostles knew their Bibles. They knew the Old Testament. They quoted Psalm chapter 2, which was a prophetic psalm leading into this. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. It was all pointing them back to Jesus Christ. If you are going to raise your voice to God and not your picket signs to men, you're going to have to see the word. You're going to have to take the word of God seriously. 66 books. Right? Come here, church. Come here. Written over a 1,500-year period. On three different continents, this book is full of treasure and testament. This book is doctrine and duty for us. This book is about redemptive love in every single one of our lives. But the problem is sometimes we neglect the mission because we've neglected the message. And because we've neglected the message, we don't fulfill the mission that God has actually placed us on. Do you see what's happening in some of our lives is this. Charles Spurgeon always would say, if you want revival, re-Bible. If you want revival, re-Bible. If you want revival right now, re-Bible in your life. Re-Bible it. Bring it to a place where you are going to memorize scripture. You're going to saturate your mind and your heart that when you bleed, it's Bible. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you get cut in the world, it out comes the Bible. When you get hurt in the world, out comes the Bible. You know, having eight kids, I, I'm catching a lot of things. What's on the inside of my kids' life is sometimes coming out on the outside. And sometimes because I've caught some things that were coming out, I got sick. I caught what they had because it came out of their life. Now, I'm not saying that we're a church that vomits. What I am saying is we're a church of victory. And because we're a church of victory and because we're a church of the word of God, we're going to find that when the word of God comes out, people will catch it because that is contagious because of the gospel. Now, understand, if we're going to see his worth, we got to see his word. Know what the Bible has to say. They reverted back to Psalm chapter 2, hundreds of years. You might go, ah, oh, it's such an old book. I don't know if I want to read. I don't know if I really want to study. I don't know if I want to really want to meditate or memorize. It's old. Someone once said, what's new is not true. What's true is not new. You might be going, that's old. It might be old, but it is inspired. This is not the opinions of man for you. These are the oracles of God for your life. I have a letter in my, my sock drawer. 
written by Lisa Kindle. She wrote it to me when I was 17 years old. Today, I'm 25. Just kidding. That's a lie. Pastors don't lie. Christians don't lie. Forgive me. I'm accountable in my community. I'm 44 years old. I will, without her knowing, get out that letter almost every single day. When she gave it to me, I was standing in the sidewalk at Calvary Chapel of San Bernardino on East Baseline. Mm. Come on. She handed it to me, and I ran straight to the bathroom. I wanted to be alone. You know, quiet time. It's me and the letter. So I locked myself in one of the stalls, put down the toilet seat. I didn't have to go to the bathroom. I just wanted to read the letter. And I read that letter, 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 and it says, Dearest Case, I mean, my name's Casey, but dearest Casey, oh my gosh. She says, my favorite name for you. <laughs> I mean, think you're, seven, think you're 17. I'm like, oh, man. This is like Bible and bridal. You know, I'm like, you know what I'm talking about? I'm like, mm, this is going to be good, Lord. This is going to be a good relationship, Jesus. This is going to be healthy. Healthy and holy. Dearest Casey, my favorite name for you, she says. You're doing so great with the junior hires. She wrote some other stuff in there that I'm not going to read out loud to you. But she said at the very end, she said, I can't wait to do this with you for the rest of my life. Then she put P.S. I'm like, ah. <laughs> Forever and always love. Lisa. And the way she does her A, she used to. Now she doesn't because she has eight kids and she doesn't have time. But she did an A with a little half a circle and dot, dot. I mean, I memorize that thing. It is there. It is so memorized, I've ripped it. It's ripped in half now. The ink is fading because I've read it so much. Oh, I pray. I pray that we as a church would be that way with God's letter of love, of redemption to us. I pray that it wouldn't be boring or you'd be so busy and bored with the Bible that you lived a very starved and a very stupid life. I pray that it would be so much upon us, whether it's an audio Bible or the visual Bible, that you could actually take in what the Bible says, see his word. If you're going to raise your voice, you're going to have to see his word, and then you're going to have to see his work. Notice this. The Bible says in verse 27, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, notice you're going to have to see his work, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Notice his work. You're going to have to see his work. Notice this. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Notice this. They had to see the work of Jesus to boldly proclaim the word of Jesus. 
Oh, man, it's too hot in here. You guys are getting tired. Listen, if you would, please. If you would just write this down somewhere also, if we're going to be on one mission together, and that's this. Number four, if you take note. Number four, if we can put it up on the slide, Christian, number four. And that is, my role is to move my mouth, and God's responsibility is to move his hand. Notice, notice, my role is to move my mouth. God's responsibility is to move his hand. Notice the Bible says that they came and they wanted to speak with all boldness the word of God. And notice this, verse 30, very interesting. We're going to speak the word of God by stretching out your hand to heal. Notice this. The word of God came with the work of God in signs and wonders and healing. And what happened in this setting was, is we have to understand that in our lives, that it's our responsibility to speak the word of God boldly. It's God's responsibility to do what only he can do by touch and healing. But that's all going to happen in the name of Jesus Christ. If you take note, number five. Number five, and we'll end with this, and that's this. Number five. Notice, if you would, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Can you imagine if the cafeteria started shaking? What would you do? I would run. There's a lot of glass in this place. I'm all for God, but I'm not for glass. And when they noticed this, they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. It just started, the house started shaking. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, now I just want you to, to, to get this in, in, in our lives. Many times we're praying, looking at the stories of Joshua, looking at the stories of Abraham, looking at the story of Jericho, and we're like, oh, God, I want to experience that in my life. We want to experience that, and we pray for that, but we never want to face that. But the miracle happened in the crisis time. And some of us were like, I want to see healing. I want to see this work in my life. But some of us don't even want to bring ourselves to a place where we're standing and walking around the walls of Jericho seven times and blowing horns. We don't want to stand at the Red Sea. We're like, God, God, I want to see you work like you did with Moses. But you don't even live like the God, like God is the God of Moses. You have to understand that in our lives, number five, that brokenness comes before boldness. Brokenness comes before boldness. God, we see the threat that's out here for us, God. God, we, we know that they're going to do this to us. God, we're broken before you. We're crying out to you, God. We're, we're on our knees, Lord, asking in brokenness, God, do something. Do something. Now, they are battling the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin. The Sadducees were the religious echelon that had a lot of money, but they did not believe in the resurrection afterlife. The Sanhedrin were the lawmakers at that time that were making decisions of what would be law in each Jewish city. Some of them had 23 and some of them had 71. Do you see, the greatest enemy for the church wasn't the Sadducees in the Sanhedrin. The greatest enemy of the church is Satan. And in that, what happened was because of this, look at this if you would. Because the Sadducees had the wrong theology. They had the wrong missiology in what they were called to live out for Jesus. We are going to have to be broken before we're bold. You're going to have to come to the end of yourself 
in the beginning of God. I, I want you to see this also, if you would, if you take note, it's up on the screen. You're going to have to be shaken before the sharing. You're going to have to be shaken. Notice this, you're going to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit before furthering the kingdom of God. The disciples in Acts, above your Bibles in Acts chapter 1, it says the Acts of the Apostles. This is not just the Acts of the Apostles. This is the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. You see that? So notice what had to happen. They had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean to be filled? It literally means that you are empowered and full to the brim of what God has in his spirit for you. Sometimes we don't have boldness in preaching Jesus because we're not filling our lives with his word and asking for the filling of his Holy Spirit. Do you see what God wants to do in every single one of our lives is understand that in your life that Jesus Christ has died on the cross. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Because Jesus died on the cross because every single one of us was separated from God. And because we were separated from God, God, through his redemptive love, sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Our sins separated us from God. But Jesus, the Bible says, on the cross took our sin bore our shame, all of our guilt, and where you were separated, Christ bridged the gap because of his sacrifice and his death. And not only that, because he rose again, you no longer have to fear death. Many of us have experienced that. That's called the gospel. That's called the good news. And because of the good news, I remember I was 14 years old. I was helping out at a concert. And man, the, the gospel to me, the gospel to me had so much in my life. It had so much. It had so much weight. I mean, I had heard about the gospel. I mean, I had heard about the gospel so much in my life that I was just, I took the gospel for granted. I mean, really in my life, the gospel really carried uh, probably this much weight. It probably really carried this much weight in my life, the gospel. And the whole time when I was in high school and middle school, I was like, Lord, may, help me make an impact, Lord. Help me make an impact. And so the gospel really wasn't, didn't really carry the weight that it needed to carry in my life. And because of that, I was praying, God, make me a person that would have impact in my life. And so, so I, I'm like, Lord, put me in the world. God, put me in the world. The gospel really didn't mean anything to me. And this is what happened. Just a little bit. But then I was like, oh, Lord, come on. I want to make a great God. I know what you've done on the cross for me. Some of you, the gospel's like this in your life. And it's just like, that's your life right now. For some of you, the gospel the gospel carries a lot of weight. The gospel carries, man, if I don't have Jesus, I don't have anything at all. The gospel carries something in my life where I am just thinking to myself, if I don't really have the gospel, I have nothing at all in my life. And because of that, it carries so much weight. And because of that, I'm like, Lord, make me a person that's going to make an impact. If the gospel doesn't carry weight in your life, you will never make the way for Jesus to be magnified. Now, I'm not saying you're perfect. What I am saying is complete the mission that God's called you to. Do you see, when the gospel carries weight, some people are actually in the splash zone of your life. When the gospel carries weight, some people get wet 
because you've been drenched. When the gospel carries weight, something, something happens. Something happens in your life. Something happens. You see, thank you, Michael and Chanel, for being great sports. Something happens in your life. Impact is made because of the gospel. Overflowing happens because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for my sin. He rose again without him. I am nothing and I have nothing. All of eternity, heaven and hell, all are based upon what I do with Jesus. So I want to be the church that would wait upon the Lord. I want to be the church that would ask God, God, today will you fill me with your spirit? God, will you fill me with your spirit today? And, and we want to give you that opportunity. Not in a weird or strange way, but there's just a request to the Lord. So we're going to play three more worship songs like we have been. And if you're like, man, I want to come to the front and I want to worship the Lord, you come to the front and you worship the Lord. If you want to come and we have leaders right up front here and you're like, man, I, I want to in my life right now, I want to ask that God would fill me with his spirit. I want to be bold for the cause of the gospel. If that's you, don't stay in your seat.